0: So I had whispered to Eldred that I didn't see any little ones. So instead of the storybook that I was going to share with the children, I'll share a story with you. I was telling Valerie before the service I had two thoughts about children's time today. Because the t- today's passage is um, the Good Samaritan. Um, and it's just funny that we have this today after y'all have just come back from Sager Brown. And Valerie's going to share some of y'all's story. He went to Sager Brown that has to do with a little bit of rain. But when I thought about the story of the Good Samaritan today, and I was thinking about that story, it speaks to me of the kindness of strangers. The kindness of strangers. Have you ever experienced the kindness of strangers? Mine had to do with a little bit of rain. And uh, Luann and Janie, about a year ago, October, we were in a car We had come back from a trip from Umble to look at their preschool, and there was a tad bit of rain. You remember that weekend last October when I-45 shut down around Corsicana because it was flooded? Well, guess which three ladies were in my car on I-45 south of Corsicana? And we had no idea that this flood was coming, and here we were stuck on the highway for about three hours. And the traffic was just parked. i 45 was a parking lot. Somehow, over those three hours, we managed to go about half a mile and get into a service station, which I will never again visit in my life. This was the worst service station ever. But in that place, there was probably 50 cars jammed into this parking lot that was designed for 10. It was pouring down rain. And there were strangers standing in the parking lot who had left their own vehicle who were navigating the cars with clearance of an inch or two so that we could get in and out of this area without. And, and nobody was upset and nobody was yelling. They were being kind and helping us navigate through so everybody could, you know, have a little pit stop at the, at the gas station there. We get back out onto the access road and, and there's there's a overpass right there i'm like oh if we could get on that overpass we could turn around and go back well guess what there was an 18-wheeler overturned on the overpass nobody was going there how do we know this because there was traffic coming the other way and people had rolled down their windows and were communicating back and forth with the other cars about what was happening and then somehow again through the kindness of strangers People got out of their cars. Total strangers got out of their cars and were helping one another turn around on this little road in the dark, in the rain, out in the country. And we got turned around. All of our family, we had a cell phone charger in the car, and all of our family was checking in on us to make sure we were okay. All of these people just totally amazed me, getting out of their cars and helping people they did not know, in the dark, in the middle of nowhere, We didn't know what was going to happen for the night. Fortunately for us, we got turned around a week on purpose. And we got back and we went to my in law's farm, which was about 45 minutes away. These poor ladies, where am I dragging them in the middle of the night in the rain? But the kindness of strangers, and those strangers will stay in my heart forever. I think as children, we are taught to be fearful of strangers. You know, and I recognize that we in the car were adults. We were not children talking to random strange adults we did not know. But as adults, we didn't see in one another the fearful and the scary. I will always see the kindness in the strangers and the friends that I did not know. So that's our children's time today, children. That we, now that we are grown, that we might embrace a new vision of strangers And the kindness that they might see in us, I pray. Amen? Amen. Thank
1: you, Pastor Caroline. We are closing off our series today on nameless heroes. And we are hearing a story that is very familiar to many of us. Um, The nameless hero... Uh, that many of us think of uh, when we think of New Testament stories. And so we are going to hear the story of the Good Samaritan from Luke chapter 10, and we're going to begin reading at verse 25. Listen for the word of God. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O oh God, our rock and redeemer. Amen. This story is very, very familiar to many of us. Even in the culture, people who uh, are not churchgoers, many of them are familiar with this story. We see stories of Good Samaritans in the news a lot. Um, we have our nonprofit food pantry just a few blocks from us, the Good Samaritan. Um, but this story, this beautiful little jewel of a parable that Jesus told to the lawyer or the scribe, it's <laughs> another word. Um, and to those who were gathered there, um, really needs to be put in context of the verses that come at the beginning and that come in the end. In other words, the conversations that Jesus has with his lawyer help us to understand this parable a little better, I think. So, of course, Jesus was in conversation a lot with the Pharisees and with the scribes because they were um, dealing with the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament, which is what we call it. Um, but for Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees, that was their scripture. And so they spent an awful lot of time talking about it and um, You know, Jesus, actually, he was kind of an upstart. He was this wandering rabbi from Galilee, from Nazareth. And elsewhere in the Gospels, there's a question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So he wasn't considered, learned, or lettered in the eyes of those who were, for lack of a better word, professional in dealing with scriptures. The ordained folks, right? (laughs) Um, And so there's this lawyer who comes up to Jesus, and my hunch is he's wanting to trip Jesus up. And so he asks his question about what is the most important law or teaching in the scripture that he needs to be sure that he performs so that he can get, quote-unquote, eternal life. And so Jesus just turns the question back on him and says, well, what do you read there? And so the lawyer gives his assessment of what he thinks are the greatest commandments. Loving God with all your being and loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, "That's, that's right. That's right. And then the lawyer asks another question and he says, ah, but who is my neighbor? And as one commentator said, it is possible that the motive behind this question was that he was wanting to get Jesus to tell him exactly who his neighbor was so that he could narrow his scope, right? In other words... Limit his love and his compassion to a defined few. And then Jesus launches into this story. Now, as we talked about last week, Samaritans were despised by Jews because of the history of Samaritans. Because they uh, were considered mixed The way they worshipped the God of the universe was different from the way Jews did. And so there was this horrific line between the two of them, this boundary, this wall that they didn't want to cross. And so Jesus tells this story to illustrate the wideness of who the neighbor is. And then at the end, Jesus says, go and do likewise. Now, I was with the uh, group that went to Sager Brown this week. And um, I knew that I was going to be preaching today. And I told them, I said, now, (laughs) y'all have... um, drawn the enviable card of helping me work on my sermon this week. <laughs> and um, I, it was, it's, it's very interesting to consider this story. I have never preached on this story before. Because it is so iconic. What can be said about such a story? It preaches itself, does it not? So what I have to offer this morning are actually some mm, verbal snapshots, if you will. And I want to frame it this way. This is what one commentator has to say that helps us to frame this story and to consider the couple of stories that I'm going to share with you. Amy Jill Levine, who is a Jewish New Testament scholar. Yes, a Jewish New Testament scholar says to hear this parable in contemporary terms, we should think of ourselves as the person in the ditch. And then ask, is there anyone from any group about whom we'd rather die than acknowledge she offered help or he showed compassion? More, is there any group whose members might rather die than help us? If so, then we know how to find the modern equivalent for the Samaritan. This little story ran in the Dallas Morning News yesterday. It was buried on page 11A. I want to share it with you. In New Delhi, there are few sidewalks, so a man identified later by police as Matibul walked on the side of a road. CCTV footage shows Matibul on his way home from an overnight shift as a security guard carrying a cell phone in his hand. It is dawn. Suddenly, a speeding three-wheel truck barrels into him from behind, knocking him into the air. The driver gets out, sees Matibul's crumpled body, gets back in his truck, and away he goes. Had he checked, he would have felt a pulse. As Matibul lay bleeding for an hour, men and women riding in 140 cars and 82 rickshaws avoided his dying body. So did 181 bikers and 45 pedestrians. At one point, an emergency response van used by the Delhi police drives by. Then the ultimate indignity, a cycle rickshaw stops. A passenger alights, walks by Matibul and picks up his cell phone. He gets back on the rickshaw and leaves. There are multiple hospitals on the road where Matibul eventually died. On Thursday, Delhi's government announced plans for an incentive scheme that would reward those who bring accident victims to hospitals. Many don't do so now because they fear harassment and questioning by police. Delhi police are notorious for demanding bribes and submitting oneself as a witness to a hearing, to a crime, can lead to years of headaches while courts call you to the stand again and again. The driver who told police the accident had happened because he'd fallen asleep while delivering milk was arrested. There was no Samaritan for Monty Boole. Consider the quote from the commentator that we just heard before this story. What group is it that we so do not want to receive help from, we would rather die. Are there groups of people like that in our own culture you can think of? There was also a quote in this week's paper. This was actually, I believe, on Tuesday. A quote from one of our area imams, Omar Suleiman And, of course, he was speaking about our political climate, but I think it's applicable here because he's Muslim, and this is what he says. Part of loving your neighbor isn't just making sure he's well-fed, but making sure you're doing the best you possibly can to increase the quality of his life and protect his freedoms. Sounds like a good American, doesn't he? Consider again what it means to be the person in the ditch. Have you ever been in the ditch? Pastor Caroline told a story about being in the ditch. Friday, our Sayor Brown team, prepared to return to Dallas. It's a trip that takes about eh, eight hours, about eight hours, stopping for gas periodically and stopping to get a bite of lunch. We had gone Thursday. This is our Sager Brown group on Tuesday morning, um, right after breakfast, sitting on the deck that overlooks the Bayou Teche, deep, deep South Louisiana. We had gone Thursday to purchase sandwich stuff to put in the cooler so that we could uh, kind of be expedient with our time getting home. Um, And so we would just make sandwiches uh, there in the van and continue on our way. So we left after breakfast. It was about 830. Kevin Quattlebaum, who was also in our group, had his own car, and he was going to take a few extra days of vacation touring plantations there in South Louisiana, and he had left just a few minutes before we did. It had been raining. There had been quite a storm during the night, and there had been off and on rain since about Wednesday, I think. So we load up in the van about 8.30, and And we head up Highway 90 toward Lafayette, and we were going to stop in Opelousas for a Boudin stop. Well, I don't know how many miles we got. It wasn't that many. 30 minutes, maybe. We had been traveling about 30 minutes, and we came to a stop on the highway. Cars stacked up. And as we were traveling, go to the next one. I'm sorry, Mark. We were seeing stuff like this. Y'all see that? So the next one. This is what we were seeing along the side of the highway. Okay, you can go back to the other one. Yeah, there we go. So... After about two hours or more of sitting in this gridlock, which just inched forward a little bit at a a time as people would pull off and try to go somewhere else, we pulled off into a convenience store parking lot, and that is, we were sitting in the parking lot. That's the highway. That's what the highway looked like. Well, we were at that convenience store until about 3 o'clock. And there were other people there. The great majority of them strangers. There was also another team from Waco that had been at Sager Brown that week. They were stranded there as well. People were trying to share information about what they had learned. We learned that there were road closures ahead of us, between us and Lafayette. And um, that... The situation was really bad east, that things were flooded east, that things were flooded west, things were flooded south. So we were kind of on this little island. I would say, my friends, we were in the ditch. And we were in the ditch with a bunch of people. (laughs) So about three o'clock... We're trying to decide what to do because there's nine of us, right, nine of us in the van. Ken Boyd's driving. And um, so we thought, well, maybe we can go back to Sayer Brown. But that turned out to not be an option. And it was very likely that the roads were flooded south of us. And so we had seen a comfort in driving up so we turned around we went to the comfort inn and there was a sign on the door no rooms and there were three women standing outside and I was talking with them trying to gather information about uh, what their experience had been and where things were flooded and um, I went ahead and went inside there were about eight people standing there wondering if they could I guess find a closet to rent, guy turned around and looked at me and said, so I came back and got in the van and we made the decision to try to figure out something about that time. We look on Facebook and we see that Kevin has somehow made it around some of the flooding and has made it to Lafayette. So I call him. And he said that he had driven to Avery Island and had to turn around four times due to flooding. And when he pulled into a convenience store parking lot, there was a sheriff there, and the sheriff gave him some direction. Said, Drive to Abbeville, and then you can get back to Lafayette. So that's the route we followed. Went to Abbeville, had to go through some high water. Ken was unflappable behind the wheel. I tell you, that team sitting in that van, y'all were troopers. Dorothy and Darlene. It is very sobering to be in the ditch and to wonder if we have any kind of ability to think or to feel where our help is going to come from. And it is when we are in the ditch that we also realize how essential it is for us to act as the Samaritan did. Who, the Samaritan who did not consider the bounds of proper relationship between a Jew and a Samaritan... Who just helped. My friends, as difficult as it can be, that is our call as disciples of Jesus Christ. When someone is in the ditch, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what their sexual orientation is. It doesn't matter if they are of a different religion. It doesn't matter if they are of a different race. It doesn't matter if they are of a different economic class. It doesn't matter because every person that walks this planet is our neighbor. Every person who walks this planet is God-created. Every person who has ever walked this planet, who walks it now, who will walk it in the future, is loved and named by God and is deserving of our compassion. My friends, let us go and do likewise. Amen.